Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that looks at the ups and downs of everyday history. I'm Gabe Lusier, and in this episode, we're looking at a humbling moment in U.S. naval history, a tense year-long standoff with North Korea that's now known as the Pueblo Incident. The day was January 23, 1968. The USS Pueblo and its 83 crew members were captured at sea by North Korean forces. One member of the crew, Dwayne Hodges, was killed during the seizure, and the other 82 American sailors were held in captivity for the next 11 months. The Pueblo was a small, lightly armed U.S. Navy ship that had originally served as a cargo hauler in the 1940s. It had since been refurbished as an intelligence vessel and was engaged in a routine surveillance mission for the top-secret operation Click Beetle at the time of its capture. The Pueblo had been dispatched on its first mission with an inexperienced crew and a first-time captain, 38-year-old Commander Lloyd Pete Boucher. According to U.S. reports, including those of the crewmen, the ship was in international waters nearly 16 miles from the shore of the Korean peninsula. Nonetheless, North Korean patrol boats and fighter jets turned their guns on the Pueblo and demanded its surrender. The Americans tried to make a getaway, but the ship was too slow, and the North Koreans quickly caught up and opened fire. The crew of the Pueblo knew their capture was inevitable so they used what little time they had to frantically destroy as much of the classified information on board as they could. Unfortunately, there was too much material for the ship's shredders and incinerators to handle. Under heavy fire, the crew eventually resorted to throwing the documents overboard, many of which were later recovered by the North Koreans and shared with the Soviets. By the time North Korean forces boarded the Pueblo, the ship had been rendered defenseless and many of the crewmen had been wounded. 
The 82 survivors were bound and blindfolded and transported to Pyongyang, where they were charged with spying and imprisoned. When the U.S. government learned what had happened, it immediately demanded that the sailors be released, insisting that they hadn't breached North Korea's 12-mile territorial limit. The demand was swiftly refused, and in response, President Lyndon Johnson ordered a military buildup in the area. Roughly 250 U.S. combat aircraft were sent to American bases in South Korea, and three aircraft carriers and about 25 warships were stationed in the Sea of Japan. This show of force was purely symbolic, as President Johnson had just launched the Tet Offensive in South Vietnam and wasn't eager to start another war by retaliating against North Korea. Doing so would have risked spreading American forces too thin, especially since the Soviet Union likely would have come to the aid of its allies, thus escalating the Cold War into a hot one. But North Korea called Johnson's bluff and continued to hold the sailors captive. With few options remaining, the U.S. began negotiating for the prisoners' release, meeting with North Korean leadership at the Panmunjom Truce Village in the demilitarized zone dividing the Korean peninsula. The talks were not productive and would ultimately drag on for the rest of the year. In the meantime, North Korea tried to wring public confessions out of its prisoners by subjecting them to private torture sessions. The crewmen resisted for months, maintaining they had never strayed from international waters. Finally, though, North Korean authorities shifted their focus to Captain Boucher. They tried to force a confession by putting him in front of a firing squad, and when that failed, they threatened to execute his men in front of him, one by one. It was only then that Boucher agreed to confess and apologize to North Korea. The statement prepared for him read, quote, We intruded into the territorial waters of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea and committed hostile acts. I will never again be a party to any disgraceful act of aggression of this type. The rest of the crew later signed the confession as well, and afterward, they were transported to a second compound in the countryside outside the capital. They were forced to study propaganda materials as a form of indoctrination, and when they resisted or expressed disdain, they were beaten severely. That said, the crew members still found ways to rebel against their captors while also showing the outside world that their fighting spirit hadn't been broken. For example, when North Korean authorities photographed the men for use in propaganda, the captured crew famously raised their middle fingers at the camera. The act of defiance went unnoticed at first, as North Koreans weren't familiar with the gesture, and the crew told them it was the Hawaiian sign for good luck. The guards eventually caught on to the truth, though, and they punished the sailors with beatings, freezing temperatures, and sleep deprivation, an ordeal that later became known as Hell Week. The crew's nightmare finally came to an end in late December, when U.S. and North Korean negotiators reached an agreement for their release. Under the terms of the settlement, the United States admitted that the Pueblo had crossed into North Korean territory, apologized for that action, and pledged to never do it again. The 82 surviving crewmen were released that very day, December 23, 1968, exactly 11 months after their capture. They walked one by one across the Bridge of No Return at Panmunjom to South Korea, and from there, they were flown to San Diego, where they received a hero's welcome on Christmas Eve. 
Diplomacy had won out in the end, but the victory came at a steep cost. The imprisoned crew had experienced severe physical and psychological trauma, and the reputation of the United States had been dealt a humiliating blow. The Pueblo incident led to a mix of soul-searching and scapegoating among American policymakers. But the consensus was that the U.S. government had been wrong to assume that North Korea was working from the same Cold War playbook as the Soviets. The capture of the Pueblo made clear that North Korea had its own national agenda and that the country was willing to make bold moves to achieve it. If the U.S. had recognized that from the outset, it probably wouldn't have sent a lightly armed spy ship so close to Korean shores without backup. That misjudgment not only led to an embarrassing international incident, it also taught North Korea that standing up to a military giant can sometimes be worth the risk. The country has apparently taken that lesson to heart, too, as evidenced by its ongoing nuclear weapons buildup today. As for the USS Pueblo, the ship itself remains in North Korean custody and has since been turned into a floating tourist attraction. It's currently moored in a river in Pyongyang as part of the country's victorious war museum. To this day, the Pueblo is the only commissioned ship in the U.S. Navy to be held in captivity by a foreign power, an embarrassing fact that seems unlikely to change anytime soon. I'm Gabe Lusier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.